The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Kia ora this is Toby Manhai. We're taking a break over the summer on Gone By Lunchtime. We thought we'd re-up some of our favourite episodes from this sleepy year 2020. This week, something from our Politics and Pubs series. Daniel McLaughlin spoke with Simon Bridges after he had been unceremoniously defenestrated from the leadership of the National Party and he... Uh, came and chatted with us in Meowba in Wellington. It was an amazing conversation. It was post-Yak. The post-Yak Simon Bridges. It was a good time. Thanks to Flick and spin-off members for keeping Gone By Lunchtime alive. Kia ora this is Toby Manhai. We're taking a... Kia ora tato. Uh, my name is Toby Manhai. I'm the editor of the spin-off and um, huge welcome to everybody here tonight. This is the Number three in the Politics and Pub series that we've been running with uh, Verb Wellington. And the first one was in level four, I think. And it was uh, Daniel and Andrew and Neil in a closet somewhere. And the second one was here at the Magnificent Meow, but very separated. And and here we are now in, in level one. If we keep going, we can push all the way through level zero and come out the other side for the next event, I think. Huge thank you to Meow for having us here. Um, they're a magnificent kind of pillar of the arts community in Wellington. So go and order a drink, order another drink, get a bowl of milk for your baby yak, whatever you need. Um, this event is a collaboration between spin-off members, thanks to the spin-off members here, and the Verb Wellington community members. I think that's what it's called. Magnificent. Join them too. Um, uh, I think that's kind of all the housekeeping I have to do. Just want to welcome uh, Daniel McLaughlin and the third to last and next leader of the National Party, <laughs> Simon Bridges. A very big warm welcome. Thank you, Toby. Evening, everyone. I think we're just gonna gonna jump right into this. I've I've got my prepared questions here. I, you know, I I, I work up at Victoria University and I I brainstormed with my colleagues. And what would you ask Simon Bridges? Because I thought I will turn the intellectual firepower of my university on this National Party politician. And all of their questions were about the yak. <laughs> so if you don't know, Simon, um, a couple of weeks ago, maybe months ago, I don't know, it seems like a long time, did a, a piece on social media in which he appears in a paddock with a baby yak and gumboots and a Roxy Music t-shirt. Maybe he's wearing shorts or trackies, maybe he's not, who's to say? Um, And everyone wanted, like, it went viral, and so they just want to know, like, what was the yak's name, and is it a boy yak or a girl yak or a non-binary yak? Like, what can you tell us? Like about the yak. I think non-binary. Um, <laughs> no, uh, well, first thing I say, it's great to be here. Um, Andrew over there somewhere said to me when I was just about to come up here, good luck. And I said, look, I've killed my career several times. <laughs> it can't go that badly, right? Um, the, who knew about the yaks? I mean, basically, uh, we were at my sister Rebecca's uh, place in uh, Nelson, Tasman. And they've got a sort of a big farm. And her husband is a big uh, animal vet. And uh, he has these weird and wonderful ideas of somehow cloning or doing something and making a lot of money out of the yak. So we were <laughs> we were out there with uh, the baby yak, uh, Hope, I think was her name. And uh, we're walking along. <laughs> a yak and, called Hope. Yeah, this, okay, this, right. this is, this is exactly yeah. right. So, and then, um, uh, yeah, that's it's metaphorical or something, I think. So, yeah. and uh, Natalie, who's here tonight as well, actually, and she's almost never here, but here tonight with us she um 
I don't actually, I feel like it was non-consensual videoing because I didn't actually necessarily know it was happening. But, um, <laughs> and I suppose that was part of the, the, if I can say so, the magic of it. But um, yeah, who knew? <laughs> who knew that that would happen? I think it's just time and place and context. So your family has a financial interest in Yak. So you are kind of in the pocket of big, <laughs> one big of a baby Yak. Yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. I know. It's going to be a scandal one day. The real I'm, scandal uh, of this election because yeah. we haven't had or enough Or a Vita yet. Yak yeah. or something, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll see Actually, you. that was not intended. No, don't use that. That's, that's, <laughs> cut that. Front Judith page, is great. The front page of the Dominion writes itself, yeah, doesn't exactly, it? Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I kind of wanted to try and segue that into like a vaguely credible question about, <laughs> about leadership. Because something that struck me about your kind of like, I don't know, your social media virality um, when you stop being leader is how kind of different it was from the way you often came across in the media yep. when you were leader. Yep. And I just think that's quite interesting because you would have had a lot of expertise around you yep. when you were the leader telling you what to say and how to connect to the public and how to make the public like you. And it didn't really, like there's no nice yeah. way to say this, it didn't really work. <laughs> but then as soon as that wasn't there, it did. And it seemed kind of, because I, 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 when you first became leader, I had friends in the National Party saying, Simon's got a lot of character, he's going to connect with the public. And it didn't happen, but then it did when you, it wasn't, kind of like that useful anymore so what yeah like what yeah. happened what what, what is now the... I'm like the c-grade sort of act at the side <laughs> of it no i mean um firstly i did have amazing help um but the fuck-ups were all my own right so they're not that hard to orchestrate um i look i, I just I, I think the reality is um you know as as we've seen and i've you know um over the last wee while there's a the being in leadership and being in um Opposition leadership is hard, and uh, and there's just no doubt a weight comes on you, and um, the problems um, again, as we've seen recently, sometimes just come several in a day, yep. and you got to make those decisions, and so you kind of don't have time to smell the flowers or the yaks or do any of that <laughs> stuff, and yep, you've got a social, you've got people doing social media and all these things, but the reality is, you know, I suppose as the yaks do show, you've got to be in a time and a place where you're relaxed and you want to do it. Yeah. And uh, and when you're when you're leading an opposition up against you know uh, uh, a first term government with Jacinda Ardern uh, at the top, um, that's really hard. And uh, you just got to kind of and and I, um, who know? I mean, I think an interesting question is to, to you know to your point about trying to get some some depth and seriousness into this is would the yaks have worked when I was opposition leader? And I think you know in a sense probably the answer is no. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, there you go. <laughs> so yaks aren't the solution to every problem in life. Evidently, it's, it's the taken best me a long cappuccino milk that. you will ever get. Really? Yeah. yeah, okay. yeah. But, so something that I noticed when I was you know, talking to some of my colleagues is that they didn't understand. Well, let me put it this way. The complaint they had about you was that you kept criticizing the government, and they didn't quite understand that that is literally the role yeah. of the, the opposition yeah. leader. And sort of the – like that – that we have an adversarial system, I think that's something that's not as well understood. Do you think that's understood? Like, why um, I it's think set it up probably like is in a head way, you know, right. in, a, in a head knowledge that that's that's the role of the opposition. I think, um, I think what what you know, um, you know, I'm after a sort of sympathy vote here tonight, <laughs> right? Um, I mean, I think what perhaps isn't as well understood, it stood as a maybe a more subtle but just as important point. If you're an opposition first against a first term. Uh, government, like I say, with Jacinda at the, the helm of it. And that is that you have to get on the news, right? So the worst thing than being hated is being irrelevant, right? And there is no option if you're the leader of a big political party. Um, your people, your, in our case, 55 MPs, it was 56, but we don't need to get into that tonight. Well, um, we're, we're actually, actually going to move on think, to that. I though. think it's like 53 now, but let's not get into that either. Um <laughs> Uh, they they expect you to perform, and I don't I mean no nothing critical of that. And and the reality is, you know, when it's uh, Jessica Much uh, and Tover O'Brien and RNZ and all the others there, they are not going to put me on the news if I say, you know what, actually that's good, they done a really good job on that. By the way, in my defence, one time in twenty seven we would do that, you know, and it's just not news. And so the only way to get on the news and to be relevant, and in truth. You know, to keep the party vote sort of numbers up when you know there's going to be a TV poll 
is to um, is to uh, negative is one word I would say construct some mm-hmm. sort of critical scrutiny yeah, yeah. of the government. So, one of the things that I was thinking about in terms of you know being relevant in the media is that. I kind of wondered if you were a little bit similar to um, David Shearer because he also had the problem and that he was trying to do that, try, trying to be relevant in the media, but he also just had a faction in his caucus kind of briefing against him constantly. And it put a boundary, like a really t- tight boundary on what he could say and it really closed the window of what he, what what's, what kind of stories and issues he could be relevant on. Is that kind of something that you experienced as well? Did you have? Look a little, I know what you're saying. I mean, I think with Shearer, in fact, I, my personal view is when you look back over the nine years um, of Labour in opposition, he was possibly in some respects the best opposition leader, yeah. right? In a funny sort of way, I think he was the most, um, I, I hate this word, but it's the word of our time, authentic. Um, he, he, um, he was middle of the road. He, you know, he, he actually in some ways is very strong. I think where he suffered, and we've seen this in our party, um, dare I say, in recent times, is that he um, had too many uh, 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 people around him telling him what to do, um, giving him advice, saying, you've got to do this, no, you've got to do it that way, no, actually, this third way is the best way. And the problem with that is, you know, if you do that, you end up kind of stuffing up uh, everything. That... You can no longer fake your authenticity. Something you like yeah. that. You know, you can sort of put a shrink in and tell me what that all means. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think that wasn't my problem. I actually think uh, in many respects behind the scenes, and of course no one here, um, maybe with the exception of Natalie, saw behind the scenes. But the high, behind the scenes, one one fault, you know, myself and the people around me didn't have is actually we did make decisions and in a sense although it wasn't sort of necessarily worth anything that's why I got through two and a half years of the of the gig because um you know we would we would hear from different people but then actually we did make decisions and I think in leadership and in politics um uh making a decision dare I say it sometimes even the wrong one is much better than what I think David suffered from, I think David's a top guy, but was sometimes not knowing where to go on something. So your replacement, Todd Muller, was also like not kind of legendarily decisive. And I'm curious when, so when you were watching that, like the moment that that kind of like, I don't know, interregnum or whatever you want to call it, that, that period, like my mind always goes to that amazing footage that the TV, that the news hub team shot when they announced their, um, you know, like their lineup. And there were no Māori in it. And Nikki Kay said that Paul Goldsmith was a member of Ngāti Pro, and it was just like excruciating. It was. That was my favourite one as well. Yeah, I so, I, yeah, so I, I like that. I, I just wanted to know, like, what was it like, kind of knowing that you'd been replaced by these people who I assume sort of thought like politicians are a very confident species and they would have gone in with this attitude. And I, I talked to some of the people who are involved in that. It's kind of like the grown-ups are here now. And we're going to do what Simon Bridges should have been doing all this time. And you guys are going to finally see some real opposition politics. And it, and it was so terrible. And so what was it like kind of watching that and, and thinking, like, this is this is what I've been replaced for? Quietly satisfying. <laughs> <Right>. No, no, <laughs> no. No, that's not true. Um, no, no, that's not true. Um I mean, in all seriousness, I think that only if I be, I'll be, I'm being straight up. The, the, I didn't like it, you know. In truth, um, it's the old cliche, but you know, um, the worst day in, op- uh, in government's better than you know a million days in opposition. That's true, right? I want to be in government, and you know, that's why I'm staying in politics. I feel like it's a contribution to make in that. The the only very quiet, small, little slither of satisfaction I got was just. For others to know, um, indeed my friends and colleagues, you know what, it's, it's not as easy as it um, looks, even when it's going badly, right? It's it's a hard gig, and actually, um, you know, I, I, I'm sure Todd and Nikki and others around uh, them would, would agree with that uh, today. I, I reckon, you know, um, it's always easy to say what, what people got wrong, um, uh and you know I'm about to do that, um, but I think I think what what they show, which is why I still think national does have a path to power, even that we're seriously an underdog and all of those things, is that um, 
they suffered from things Judith won't suffer from. And one of those was they wanted to be in the leadership team. They're a very small target. You know, we're going to know, actually, if Jacinda said something, we're going to agree with that. And you're right. I think that was because they looked at what I did and they said, well, we're always disagreeing and uh, that's no good. Um, So they took a different tact that the problem with that is that never works. And as you saw, you know, Nationals' popularity declined because there are a lot of people um, who say, you know what, actually they are um, getting this thing about COVID-19 wrong. Or, you know, in the economy, there are these things that could be done uh, better. And I think it also demonstrated another thing I've already said to you really, but that is that politics today, and you can argue whether this is good or bad, but it's high energy, and you, you, you have a, um, um, a, a sort of a, 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 a duty if you're um, uh, the opposition leader to be getting on TV and doing that and having some energy about that. And that, that was something that they, I think, struggled with for a few weeks as well. Russell Norman described it to me as you know, you're a leader of, of an opposition party. You want to look like a duck and that you're sort of like gliding along, but under the water, the feet are paddling furiously. Yeah. Yep. So, <laughs> I think that's right. I think, I think the, and the only other, you know, I'm really on a roll here. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I'd sort of say is, you know, what is also true and what, you know, and I reflect on if I could change one thing um, is when you, when you think about that aspect, because I think you're right that there is a actually solemn, almost noble, you know, not everyone will agree, but aspect to, you know, it's our system. Um, um, opposing to, to sort of refine the system and get the best stuff right, and it makes a good government better. By the way, if you're if you're if you're doing that, what we lacked, uh, uh, I think, a bit in national um, at the time is um, what Key had, what English had, which people like Stephen Joyce around them to take it to the opposition right. um, and and have those things. In my case. Uh, it was often a, a case of, look, I had to perform that role as well, if you like, mm. leader in a tech job, uh, attack dog, and that of course doesn't go so well for public, uh, for for personal polls. It did, I think, though. You know, um, here I am. I sound like some old politician defending <laughs> his record because I am, but um, get off it Simon's did. Lawn. It did get the. Um, it did keep the party support yeah. very high. So I want to kind of pull back and talk about like politics in a more general way because we've had this amazing period in which we're going through this national crisis and there's a global pandemic and there's an economic crisis and it's kind of been married with this amazing level of dysfunction at the kind of like political class we have the serious fraud office investigating these three different donations and three different parties and there have been all these resignations and scandals so what is going on <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> um, well, there's so much in what you're what you're asking. I think on COVID, there's just this natural human thing that um, smarter people than me, you know, are probably in the I don't know, is it the anthropology or the psychology department of, of Victoria can kind of work through, and that is that countries rally in times of crises. And that's probably actually a good instinct, right? Mm. And now that I'm not the leader, I can say, you know, I, I can be a bit sort of um, relaxed about that because actually, yeah, I, I get that. And, 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 and as I say, it's a, it's a good instinct. Alongside that, um, the SFO stuff, well, that's one thing and that's inexcusable. I mean, mm. it's criminal, right, actually. Um, and we'll see whether it is when these things go through the, the, the court cases. All the wider shenanigans, though, um, I'm not making excuses for it, you know the, um, the, the 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 sexual picadillos and the various things. I would just say, um, you know, actually, you out there in the audience, you're no better than us. Um, uh, and and if you were to come to Parliament with your no, that's true. But if, but it is a but it's a but it's a House of Representatives, right? We don't go there as saints. We don't. We don't. I'm sorry. Um, and and all I'm saying to you is, I think if you got 120 people from any random centre in New Zealand and you put them in Parliament in those circumstances and those conditions, you'd actually see that the majority would perform well and would keep with their ideals and so on. But you would you would find that a minority aren't in that case, and there are the shenanigans and so on, which you know I'm not saying us acceptable, but which but which happen and. Um, 
I, I think, uh, you know, we want to do all we can to try and make sure actually the culture that uh, one of my colleagues um, who gave a valedictory tonight um, spoke about, uh, you spoke very powerfully, Sarah Dowie, about being, you know, quote, a scarlet woman and the effect of that. And actually the media's culpability in, in some of uh, that. We've got to keep thinking about ways to make things better. But I do think, you know, um, um, most MPs are working hard do keep their ideals and are trying to do their best most days. And that's true in all parties. So is it the stress of – because I kind of think politicians are quite unusual. Like I've worked in academia and, and IT and finance, and these are all industries where people like behave badly, but my impression is that MPs are just like quite a lot worse. <laughs> and, and I think they're like – and one of the things I think goes on is you guys, because a lot of the kind of like bad behavior is directed at staff and you have these events-based yep. contracts so you can just kind of fire anyone yep. really at any time, which yep. which like creates all these problems. But also like there's no other job I think that is quite as stressful in such a public way. Like the, I can't really think of anything else where you can kind of get publicly humiliated yeah. on such a regular basis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah. I think um, <laughs> I think on MPs. Look, of course, if you look at it right now, if you're sitting out there, and I have always said this to new candidates who think about it, if you're rational and you've got a kind of an okay job and you've got a partner, maybe you've got kids, maybe you're thinking about having kids, and you're thinking it through, you won't go to parliament, right? That's just the reality yeah. of it. And actually, I often say to um, uh, people, you know only decide that you really want to do this if you just can't shake it, right? And so, yep, you're right. It's a certain kind of person. Yeah. Um, I would say high ideals. You might say psychopath. I don't know. But um, uh, but certainly a class A, type A type people who, you know, um, are, are comfortable with high octane yeah. and, and all of those uh, sort, of, sort of things. What worries me, though, is that right now with the, you know, remarkable – terrible behaviour um, you've seen in recent times. Um, the, the Andrew Falloon stuff is, you know, the most opposite example is what that does, is that makes that irrational decision to come to Parliament like even more irrational. And by the way, that's not good for any of us, because by the way, we do spend billions and billions of your dollars. We are the people who um, decide what environmental uh, checks and balances and safeguards are in place for New Zealand. We do decide the decisions that determine whether the health system is going right or not. So, you know, we've all kind of got a vested interest in making sure that, that the system is uh, reforming, getting better, but also forgiving at some level for normal people, um, the representatives that we want to go to Parliament. So you talked about Sarah Dowie kind of in her speech. I haven't seen it yet. She, she just gave it kind of like putting the media on trial a little bit. And and so that's something that I think, I don't know, I, I don't want to kind of like defend everything that's in the media, but there's often a critique that um, the media kind of amplifies scandal and personality-based yep. things at, at the cost, kind of cost of, of like yep. serious political substantive yep. discussion. And... I don't know, I think there are a few journalists out there and who've had a similar kind of experience to me, which is that when you kind of write about policy, not many people really read it. Yep. Like, uh, you know, I, I wrote no, this, I I wrote this no, massive piece <laughs> um, on, like, nationals, um, you know, and social investment thing for the 2017 election, and I think it had, like, 20 readers, whereas if you write about, you know, I don't know, like Jacinda's dream holiday or something, then you're kind of like guaranteed that's yeah. going to have a massive readership. Yeah. And so it, there is that constraint on what you can write as, you know, yeah, yeah there is just this, that, that constraint on what you can realistically cover. I, and, I, and most journalists do cover both. It's oh, just of course. one gets amplified. And, and, and of course, you're also right. Yeah. It's an easy claim to make, right? Yeah. Look, let's blame the media. They're the, they're the bad guys and girls in this, and, the, and then they're getting it wrong. And there's a so saying, it's not us, it's, it's them, right? There's a saying, who said this, that, that a politician who complains about the media is like a sailor who complains about the sea. Yeah. It was a British yeah. politician. I yeah. And we, and we yeah. need each other, you know, yeah. the same way the sailor needs the sea. Um, I would just say that... I feel like we have a beautiful poem going here involving yeah. like yaks and ducks and the sea. There was a young man sea. from... No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I, I, I would just say that there are some new things, though, right, that are going on in the media, and I'm in dangerous territory because I know there's, uh, you know, as you say, journalists in this room who live it, breathe it. But I think what we can agree on is that the media is more stressed today yeah. than it's ever been. There's lots of money problems around that. So that does just increase that tendency for, you know, as we all call it, the clickbait stuff. And and those tendencies are all um, uh, 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 moving one way. And that is a bit of a worry. And, um, you know, I, 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 what a suck up I am, but I mean this true, truly. I am glad and grateful that there are the likes of the spin-off in Newsroom, actually, and um, and a bunch of other ones who are doing some longer-form stuff, who are trying out new models, because we need that. So, well, thank you. <laughs> thank you on behalf of the spin-off and its members. Um, so the other thing I, I sometimes think about this debate, the sort of like policy versus personality debate, is that... Most of the people that decide elections are swing voters, and they're not, like, super informed about politics. And I kind of think it's okay for them to make sort of judgments based on character rather than policy, because they don't really, like, unless you're just really quite informed, you can't make coherent decisions about whether, like, the Kiwi Build policy, if you'd made a decision in the last election based on the Kiwi Build policy, and probably quite a lot of people did, that was just quite a bad decision that you made, because, like... They didn't implement it and, and realistically couldn't. So, but you know, like, is this person going to be a good leader during a global pandemic? Are they going to just make good judgments and stop us all from being killed? Is, is, is like a reasonably good basis for, yeah, okay. That's totally right. I mean, yeah. look, there's no doubt character and, you know, the, 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 whatever you want to call it, but that overall performance and your, um, sense of a leader really matters, right? So there's there's no doubt about that. And actually, the characters around them, you know, whether whether the team is good and what you make of it, all of that matters. There's just no doubt about it. Policy also uh, matters, though. And um, I, I, I certainly, to the extent you're saying this, wouldn't agree with you that um, actually Kiwis from university pre professors down to, you know, um, whoever... Um, don't um, uh, respond to it. They actually do, and I can I can tell you uh, from my own experience over two something years as leader of the opposition, we were at our best and our strongest, and the polls on TV and so on showed it when we cut the crap and we were just out there with big, bold. Yep, sometimes and probably I suspect in this room policies that me many here wouldn't agree with, but edgy policies that people could see. They could feel, they could make an assessment on, not cerebral stuff necessarily. Um, we are in the age, rightly or wrongly, I was going to get him in once in this um, session, Donald Trump. You know, we are in that age where actually the big, blunt stuff works. And by the way, um, all parties in New Zealand play that game at a level. So you do have to sometimes simplify that stuff down to kind of, you know, wool that median voter kind of get it. it but I reckon they do respond to policy. Lynn of Mount Roskill is, is that Lynn of Mount Roskill that they talk about in the Jim of Tower yeah, yeah, okay, I don't know right. um, yeah so what is what what do you think in terms of policy and issues what is this election about well firstly I despair and my single biggest rant that I'll try and keep brief but okay. is that what I don't like at the moment and in fairness today um, J Judith and uh, those around her have come out with some stuff that is real genuine policy but what i despair about and what i don't want to see is a policy free election i don't want to see one where you don't have a contest um, of ideas and that was what um under todd muller's leadership i worried about was that we would have a situation where as i say it was labor light effectively it was hugging the labor party's positions on a bunch of things i want voters to have a real choice where there's some shade between the two uh, positions. What this is, is this election about? Well, I can only give you my very partisan view uh, as, a, as a National Party politician who's still proud to be a National Party uh, politician and thinks we still have uh, a real shot at, at winning this election. And that's this. I don't think it's actually so much about COVID anymore. I, I, I think um, we're smart and, you know, I didn't get this at all right uh, when I was leader of the opposition to leave that uh, alone at a level to bank where we are as a country 
and to be focused on the future of New Zealand in the next three years because the next three years set the tone for the 2020s. So that's a that's a that's a thought shift. I don't think New Zealand has made right right yet. Not the past. Where are we going? And then that's very much surprise, surprise. It won't surprise you, but economic, yep. about jobs, tax, debt. Um, I also think um, in in vast swathes of provincial New Zealand, there's worries about crime and law and order. Um, I, I also think you know there will always be uh, big concerns about our um, our public services, health and education. So that to me is sort of where it's at. And I, I think that the party that Right about now, I think we are flicking into this. Um, the party that can shape that up in the best way and convince voters that they've got the future um, and that they know what to do about that future for you, your kids, your grandkids, they'll be the party that um, gets the biggest party vote on and into September 19th. Are there, are there any available voters in the audience? I'm just curious about that to see what, what Simon's playing for here. Can anyone raise their hand if they're kind of a swing voter there? Uh, so we've got one. Okay, so... You are the only guy I'm talking to all night. And I can sort of say I'm growing my hair just like you. That is a really nice shirt. And um, neither you nor I need to work out at all. Just lost that one. <laughs> there is literally no one. The, I'm just playing for Natalie's the vote. Simon right and Bridges charm, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so you're a foreign affairs yeah. spokes, spokesperson. Yeah. Why do you? Why did you pick the foreign affairs portfolio during a time in which no one can leave the country? Yeah. Okay. Zero work with that. Right, okay. Uh, yeah. No. So, um, <laughs> you know, I I suppose I just thought. Um, that we are, and you can always say this, right? So you said, so, well, you could have said that five years ago. I think it is especially true right now. I, I reckon we are at a particularly crazy, just like you were saying um, around domestic politics, crazy, uncertain, look, without being alarmist, dangerous time, actually. Um, you know, whether it's COVID, whether it's the climate, whether it's, um, I think, right at this moment, the biggest one of, of all, the US-China um, whatever you want to call it, but stoush, that is just getting worse by the day. We've got some big problems. And so if we were in a sort of a, a situation where I thought with foreign affairs there wasn't going to be a lot of action there, it was kind of kind of just be nicey-nicey and, you know, um, uh, cucumber sandwiches with the French ambassador and all these sort of things, that that wouldn't be my gig. But I, I do think there's more to it right now. I think it calls for a really... Um, bold. Yak, yak diplomacy. Yeah, yak, yakety yak. You know, um, it, it calls for it calls for us standing up for our interests and our values. And you know, actually, uh, let's get him in once in this conversation as well. Winston Peters has got ninety nine million things wrong. Actually, he's getting um, the stuff around Hong Kong basically very right at the moment. So there's a bouquet for him. Okay, um, so you're you're voting for Winston Peters now. You've been persuaded. <laughs> um, so that one of the things that I've kind of been asking people about in this series is political change and how do people who aren't part of the political system affect change? Like how do kind of how do how do civilians kind of make a difference and change things? But I also kind of thought that you might have a slightly different take in this, which is. How invested should non-politicians be in politics? Like, how much of our lives should we kind of, you know, like, be preoccupied about with politics? Is it something we should take, make, pay attention to once every three years? Is it something we should just read about on social media at 16 hours a day? Yeah, or, I, sp I, suppose I'm, yeah. I suppose I am old-fashioned as much as I think, you know, you should be invested, right? Yeah. And I think um, you have a, a, a sort of a basic civic obligation. By the way... You, you all, by being here, kind of show that you're probably in the 0.03% yeah. of people who kind of actually have turned up for something and are and do give a damn or are interested in these in, in these things. So I think you do have an obligation. I mean, here's maybe the preachy bit. Um, and I, you know, I, I always learned as a jury trial, the best way to win an argument is not that I ever, ever applied this well in politics, but as the kind of the... The, the smallest, lowest hanging fruit kind of argument, the least in your face. But 
I would just say to you, right, actually, you guys and girls and people, um, <laughs> that was being sort of yeah, inclusive yeah. there on yeah. all of that, um, you have a, um, I, I reckon, um, a bit of an obligation to be involved at some level. You know, um, I, uh, I I think what, 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 what people will say these days as well, they get involved in a, in a, in a, in a moment, in a movement, you know, whether it's Black Lives Matter or it's, you know, whatever it is, and that's fantastic. But what worries me, and, and actually in a funny sort of way, I haven't worked this out in my head, but you were talking about the SFO before, that's kind of part of this thing, is that um, not enough ordinary, good, decent people are getting involved in the political process and political parties, right? And that's a crying shame. I've, I've got here, um, you know, I'm such a hero, a plaster in my thumb from doing signs all weekend, right? I really fucked that thumb up, actually. <laughs> um, and um, I'm a bit worried about it. Um, and you know what? So there are non-glamorous, really non-glamorous aspects of practical everyday politics in New Zealand. And I'm sort of suggesting I don't really care. Um, well, I do, but I'm trying to be noble here. Whether you're green, labour... National, what you are, I, I, I actually think more should be involved in the political process. Because, by the way, um, here's a deep and meaningful, honest bit about that. That's part of why actually parties scramble for money. Because, by the way, we need money, and a lot of people will say, "Well, the answer to that is let's just state fund them, make it easy." Um, I, I certainly say no, actually, because I think uh, from a from an overall standpoint on this, you want political parties that uh, have have communities supporting them in tangible ways because they believe in them. I think it's freedom of expression to be able to hand money over to a political party and the like. But the problem is, it is bluntly, if ordinary, everyday, decent Kiwis aren't doing it, we have to go hunting for it. And that's what you're seeing with that SFO stuff at a level. I think Bryce Edwards figured out that you guys, parliamentary parties, get about $100 million a year in funding. So it kind of seems like we have this like dual system in which we sort of have massive state funding, but yep. also donations as well. And and that, to be clear, that 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 funding you're talking yeah. about, of course, goes to members of parliament to perform their, yeah. I suppose, non-political roles. Yeah. Um, and yep, that's 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 good. I suppose you could make mm. a case for moving that over into the political side. Personally, I'm not convinced. And I also like. I kind of be curious about your take on this, and I haven't quite formulated this. This is my head, so I'm trying to do it on the fly. I kind of feel like quite a lot of the um, billboards are a good example. Like, no billboards don't persuade someone to vote for a political party, but you kind of have to put them up yep. because your opponents are putting them up. Yep. And so, a huge amount of and like you have to have like a huge social media team because your opponents have a social media team, and so it's like a kind of like a, a red. Queen's Dream scenario from yep. Alice in Rundland when everyone's yep. kind of running to stay in place. And so you have to solicit donations from, you know, like the fishing industry or whoever it is, or the, you know, the Chinese Communist Party to be able to fund the stuff that doesn't make a difference. Hey, you should leave Phil Goff and Lee and Dalziely out of this, okay? That's really hard, what you just did. Yeah, to, to, so you're kind of soliciting this money. Edit that one too. That's not <laughs> Allegedly. In a, in a way that corrupts the political system, but it doesn't change any of the outcomes because everyone's kind of doing it. Yeah. Um, I've just got caught up on that Phil Goff stuff, so yeah. I forgot everything yeah. you said. But, um, yeah, no, no. It's it very persuasive. It's come back to yeah. me. It's come back. <laughs> I, I hear you, but, but I would make another argument. And I say this as an incumbent, okay? So I have got a reasonably safe seat in Tauranga. And, you know, the truth is, um, if you want to be... Blunt about it. The same with, uh, you know, Jacinda Ardern, Grant Robertson, Jerry Brownlee. We have massive advantages because, by the way, we're on TV all the time. Um, we even even the bad stuff is good in one way when you're a local MP because it's just name recognition. And what political geeks will tell you is what really matters is name recognition. So even if you hate me, if you go into that 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 box in Matua uh, Tauranga and I'm the only name you uh, know, you know what? You may just vote for me. Um, that's, that's sort of, so that's, so here's my, here's my deep and meaningful point okay. on the fly around all of this. 
if you don't have some of those other things, like the freedom to get signs up, the freedom to um, um, do all that kind of campaigning that you're saying is like a, 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 a negative compliance cost yeah. on so on, actually, you know who that benefits? Me. And I, I feel really strongly, and I know this from personal experience, when I beat Winston Peters' ass in 2008 <laughs> in Tauranga, I know that even the grannies who voted for me at the selection battle didn't think I would win, right? So people rewrite history. They think, oh, look, it was easy. He was going to win, and it was it was a turn to national. And so I know I was unknown. I was young. He was the foreign minister, and his name recognition was out of control. But the reality is we outworked him, we outsigned him, we did all of those things from volunteers. It wasn't big money or anything, and we had the ability to beat him. And I want, not in Tauranga, but everywhere else, in Mount Albert and Wellington Central, <laughs> the ability for unknown candidates to come along and to do that again. And so I suppose I'm making the case for you probably not particularly well, but for the nobility of signs that say nothing <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and pamphlets in your letterbox and all of those things. That's grassroots democracy that can get rid of powerful incumbents. So I think, so thank you for that. I think, We'll throw it, go open to questions from the audience now. I'm really just the warm-up act, and the tough questions usually comes from you guys. So do we have a microphone to pass around? We've got microphones, so stick your hands up um, and have at it. Any questions? Hi, Simon. Um, I've got a question, and I just would – over here, over here, next to your wife, actually. Um, quick question. What did you write in Paula Bennett's leaving card? Um. Well, I haven't signed one, is the honest truth. So that's, uh, you know, <laughs> but I can make something up. I, t I tell you what, um, and by the way, you're very special because I I was going to be at that and um, I, I I got rid of her to come to this. So there you go. Um, what, what I would have said is two things that are, you know, um, it's part of a team, right? If you think about the teams you work in are so important. And one was just she bought massive fun, you know, and that's not just a shtick. That's her genuine personality. She was always, you know, I'm a, I am know it's hard for you to believe, but I'm a serious dry balls. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to get through the work and I just want the outcome from the meeting. You know, she would do dumb stuff, pranks, all these things. So she was in is serious fun and I, you know, I needed that and I valued that. I think the second thing, you know, let's be a little bit sexist and honest about it all. All around me were pale, stale males, and what she did that they never did in those meetings I told you about where we had to make decisions and so on, they'd be offering critiques and trying to say the right thing and the clever thing. Mm. She got on and fucking did stuff, right? You know, um, when I needed someone to organise the National Party Conference because we were in a hole and no one liked me and I needed someone to make sure it went really well, Paula did that stuff, you know, and in politics, just like in your workplaces, I would back a doer who gets stuff done every day of the week, and that's Paula. Okay. That would have been a long card, but, yeah. you know. <laughs> Next question. We've got a few hands up. Can I ask two questions? The first one, the yak's name is Hope. Did you... <laughs> Did you think about calling your social media career the audacity of hope? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a little bit liberal Democrat, but yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, and in now that you're not in the leadership position, do you think Jacinda did a good job of handling COVID-19? Yeah, I mean, I do. I think um, I think the reality, which is, let's, again, just be pretty frank about this and... Um, the, the reality of why National is the underdog right now is because, actually, um, we've got a situation where we're all here in a pub. I can go up and shake your hand. We can have a good time. We can have a couple of beers. Um, uh, 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 you, you can then go and basically do anything you like in New Zealand as normal, and most of the world can't. And you sit there and you, um, just as I do, see what's happening in Victoria – uh, Australia and the United States, where like gazillions of people have, have got it, and it's a terrible situation. So you can't but say, at a at a at a high level, if you like, it's gone really well. Um, I, I I think what what is what is frustrating um, 
for me and was as leader of the opposition, I I did take like I knew, right? I mean, I don't want to sound like a smart ass, but I knew when we were doing stuff on that COVID committee, I knew when I was doing stuff in the media that people wouldn't thank me for it, but I felt like it was the right thing to do to actually raise hard questions about some of the shitty stuff that was going on with PPP, PPE, some of the shitty things that were going wrong in our um, health sector, some of the stuff around quarantining that wasn't right. Now, in the end, you know, uh, is what it is. I'm, I'm, I'm happier now than I was as leader of the opposition. So um, that's, that, that, that's all good. But I'm simply saying it's been a good result. It hasn't been a perfect result. I think, in truth, we're going to see more problems because, by the way, everyone else has, and we sort of will too. And we've got hard decisions coming. Um, we will just have to make a decision about how we open up. Um, we're not going to be able to get away with just saying, nah, look, we'll just stay closed for two or three years. At some point, even those of you in this room who think that that is, um, you know, kind of an anathema and a terrible thing to say – you will, you will also think that, I, I think. So, look, job well done. And, um, and now we've got to think about the, 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 the future and who's the best team and who's got the best leadership to deal with that. And if ultimately your answer is, well, that's Jacinda or her team, well, you'll vote for that. Uh, if it's not, well, you'll vote for an alternative. Can I tell a story about the, I don't know, the strong team? Um, was there a discussion about keeping that as a slogan? Um, look, I, I can't diss my team too right, much. Okay. Let's move on to the next question. Because... <laughs> So I remember, like in, in 2017, the Green Party campaigned on a, a great, great together slogan, and then the caucus split and the co-leader left. And um, uh, so there's, it just seems to be a doomed thing to campaign on. That, I mean, but, let uh, me have a go. I suppose I'll be having a go because this is sort of live streaming somewhere or something. Yeah. I'm have a go. I'll, have, I'll be having texts from Judith or something. Yeah. I mean, I would say to you, um, yep, Jacinda, get it. You know, and the, the other thing, let's just get out in the, in, in this, um, what you perhaps even, uh, as, as people who follow politics really closely don't get, is these people are sort of friends, right? I mean, you know, Jacinda and I have been uh, 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 d doing politics together. We came at the same time. We sledged each other on TVNZ for like our first three years. We know each other well. You know, whether it's Chris Hipkins or some of these other guys, we know each other well. And and so we sort of get get on. I think there is still a point, and you don't have to agree, um, but, you know, let me make the case that if you look at the overall teams and the competencies, uh, it's hard to argue that even now we still have more ministerial experience. We, we, we just sort of do through the, the Judiths and the Jerrys and even myself who's held a, you know, a lot of portfolios over time and a bunch of others. Um, we have more experience running big teams uh, if you went through the front bench and some of the things. Are, and so I think we still can make the strong team, although the last month or two um, <laughs> has been challenging. <laughs> Do we have another question? We got someone there. Hi there. Um, I view National as quite an interesting party because – I've kind of recognised two flavours within it. You've got the Chris Bishops and the Nikki Kays, and then you've got the Judith no. Collins and the Jerry Brownleys. Yep. And who do you think, what kind of MP do you think is going to lead National into the future more effectively? Is it going to be the traditionals or the kind of the newer ones that tend to vote left on all the conscience votes? Yeah. So I'm not just saying this to kind of be, oh, look, one, one Bob one way and one Bob the other, right? It's just the, it's just the reality of why the National Party actually today still is really strong. It's why, if you look at its track record, it's, um, you know, not by massive margins since the 80s, but by some margin is still the most successful political party and the biggest brand in politics, right? If you, if you want to know why our numbers have held up so high, um, it's because, look, notwithstanding a rock star prime minister who gets on the cover in time and so on, that national brand is a very strong brand right and to, to have a strong brand you've got to have some things under it that mean that it's it's you know that that brand has 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 real cred so my point is simply this actually a a center-right party does well when it marries those two things up yep and if we don't do that well and it's a risk for the future of the national party frankly 
and we factionalize or we let one side get too strong, we've got a real worry. So you just go back any successful uh, National Party team. Jim Bolger, the rural conservative. Don McKinnon was an urban liberal. Um, you, John Key, urban uh, liberal, but basically um, Bill English, clearly not, right? Um, Simon Bridges... <laughs> Um, Simon Bridges, you know, conservative, um, Paula Bennett, definitely not, right? So you go through, so, so we're at our best when we get them together because that, that ensures that those views, that broad church is represented around a cabinet table, um, and we kind of don't get, um, Silly, we don't go one way too far or the other. Now, if you want silly, you know, you, you, you can vote for it. If you want, you know, one way out this way, you, you absolutely, um, uh, you know, uh, 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 card-carrying uh, liberal who has very clear views about 20 different things, you know, you, you vote for it. But I'm simply saying to you... Are you talking to, about the ACT party there? Well, okay. <laughs> yeah, number yeah. three, the gun yeah. chick. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Okay. Um, <laughs> You, you can do that, but I'm just saying to you to, to get the vast swathe of votes that that marriage between liberal and conservative is really important, and we've got to make sure actually in national we don't get away from that. Okay, more questions. We got one at the back. You get a Simon over here, mate. Right at the back. Right at the back. Anyway, you. you can hear me. <laughs> the lights hey, um, are very bright up here, so. Yeah, I'm just curious from a from sort of a historical perspective. A couple of months ago, when um, when stuff started to get real about COVID nineteen, was there a, like a briefing, a moment where you, you kind of realised how serious it was? And I'm curious to know how how it felt, like what what was going on when when stuff started getting really serious. Was it was it like world falling down around our ears kind of thing? Or? Um. I'm about to give an answer that a real wanker would give, but I'm going to do it anyway because it's the truth. Look, I I felt strongly from like very early in February that this was going to be bigger than Texas. And I, uh, and you can go back and I kind of, you know, I sort of, I, I, I feel strongly also that we need a Royal Commission of Inquiry to go through this because it's just been such a massive event. We shut down a country for months and it was the right thing to do. Um, we've, we've, we've borrowed actually over $100 billion and that's the, arguably the right thing to do as, as well. Um, so we need a Royal Commission to go through these things. But I recall uh, it was, it was um, early February, um, getting on the phone to Michael Woodhouse, um, who was at that time the the, the health spokesperson, um, yeah, um, and 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 look, I mean, you know, I I'm I'm not sure whether he was into it or not, but I just said, man, it was it was it was it was a Saturday, I think. I said, man, you got to get up to Wellington, buddy, um, and he's in Dunedin, and I'm sure he would rather have stayed in Dunedin. You got to get up to um, Wellington. You got to have a press conference on Sunday. You got to get the media there. And we've got to we've got to um, we've got to drop the hammer on this thing, man. This is going to be big, and this is a really problem. And the government's kind of not taking it seriously enough. And by the way, they, you know, they, they, I I just have a um, have a sense of how it would have been handled under uh, a key English government. We would have very quickly set up a cabinet committee. They would have been given power given to Power of Act, and they would have done stuff quicker, right? And so we we sort of did that. I can remember the Audrey Young column. Sorry, Audrey, but. Um, and and she and she said these guys are dickheads. Um, they've 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 had this press conference. It was entirely unnecessary. It's over the top. What are they sort of doing? And my view, genuine view of life, is that um, national under me was always about two weeks ahead of the public. Um, on some things, we were probably a month ahead. Now the problem with that is. Um, if you're ahead of the public, you're ahead by definition ahead of the public. And people don't want to hear these things sometimes. Um, and on some things at the time, we went way too hard. Um, and that's my cock up. And um, uh, life sort of goes on. It was it was bad political skills, if you want to put it that way, where I went too hard at times, where I should have just pulled back because the public wasn't there on those things yet. 
all I would say is if you went back and read the, you know, Facebook post I did that had like 27 oh, yeah. people who said I was a piece of crap and this, that, and the other yeah. thing. Um, my mother's read every one of them, which is not very <laughs> good for her. But anyway, um, if you went back and read that post today, you would say, man, that was moderate. That was so sort of, because by the way, within a month or two, it was all absolutely the conventional wisdom of where we're at, but it was just sort of too, too early. So I'm simply saying to you, I, I, I thought personally it was really serious early on. I then thought, and again, this is the read the room, Simon, read the room, um, but I then thought more quickly that we were in a position where we were continuing, having got too slow to being really serious about it, we were staying too serious too long. And I, I personally believe we could have, we could have started opening up more quickly um, for reasons of livelihoods and jobs and, and, and the like. Um, to change tact completely. Um, have we, have we Simon, got Angela really, again? Yeah, it's me. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, I'm really interested if... If there was a song lyric that best described you, I'd really like to know what it was. And I'd also really like to know what song lyric you would describe Judith with. If you don't know B by now, you will never, <laughs> never, never know me. Um, <laughs> no, I really... I, I've got this thought in my head that I need to get out. Don't say it, Simon. Can we, can we have another beer for Simon uh, Bridges, please? Uh, <laughs> no, um, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Right, let's keep moving. Okay. Okay, I think we've got, do we have time for one more? Let's take one more question, or maybe we should finish on that. No, we got one, we got one there. After everything you've talked about your happiness tonight, and you've just talked about your mum, do you, would you still want to be Prime Minister of New Zealand? Um... <laughs> you know the correct answer to that is yeah, no. Yeah. Um, I, I, look, I, don't, I wouldn't want to be an opposition leader again. Um, I can say it to you quite, quite straight. Um, it's a hard job. It's, um, it's not much, you know, good for um, kind of any aspect of your personal life, to be honest with you. Um, whether it's, uh, well, yeah, we won't get into that. So, um, <laughs> So I certainly, and, and can I say a completely politically incorrect, totally wrong thing to say, but why it's just another now? one. Yeah, okay. why not? Just, yeah. Let's keep going. <laughs> um, I, I just have this, again, kind of quirky view that the, the really real PMs are those that, that won from opposition, right? So if you think about the really, you know, um, uh, uh, a Bolger won from opposition, Helen Clark won from opposition, John Key won from opposition. And so, um, you know, what, what I'm saying to you is actually, if you if you kind of, um, uh, and Jacinda Ardern won from opposition. Right? <laughs> uh, said, I mean, in an eight-week campaign where you really didn't learn anything. But anyway, um, don't be like that, Simon. So, so I'm, I'm serious, you know, look, that, that ship sailed. But I, I sat there because you'd be a, you'd be a, a sort of a, um, you, you'd, there'd be something wrong if you didn't. When I lost the leadership, I, uh, you know, you've got to kind of sit down and the best you can, because it's never going to be rational entirely, sit and say, well, you know, is it time to sort of go? Because um, actually there's stuff you can do. I could go back to the law. I could do some stuff in the private sector. There's a bunch of things that, you know, I, I could possibly do. And I suppose what I, where I came down was that I, I can still, um, make a strong contribution um, whilst not being leader. And, you know, at 43, um, that may feel old to some of you, young to some of you, I don't know. But, um, you know, I've, st I've still got time to sort of do that and um, and to re rehabilitate myself with yaks <laughs> and song lyrics and all these other sort of things. So the long answer but short answer is no, um, but I still feel I've got a contribution to make, and that's why I'm sticking at it. Simon Bridges, thank you very much. Thank you can get a round of applause. Thank you. Brilliant. Well done. Thanks for that.
Kalo for Lover. I'm Madeline Chapman, editor at The Spin-Off. If you have the means, consider supporting our high-quality journalism by becoming a Spin-Off member. Sign up now at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. Kia ora e te iwi, te Aihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a spin-off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.